are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Uh, tonight, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. And we'll be reading from two places. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. And right after, we'll be jumping to the Old Testament. Uh, he's a minor prophet by the name of Hosea. And we'll go to Hosea chapter 10. Uh, but turn with me uh, to begin Galatians chapter 6. It says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all the people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Amen? Turn with me now to Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. It says, sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. I'm going to say that again. For it is time to seek the Lord until, until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and we'll go into the word that God has for us tonight. God, I just want to thank you for your presence. We thank you for the time of worship and prayer. And that we can come together as brothers and sisters, as a region to believe and contend for revival together. God, we're here, Lord, not as experts, not as professionals, not as performers, but as sons and daughters who are hungry and desperate for your presence to move. God, we just declare that tonight we're not here to be entertained. We're not here to feel good about ourselves. We're not here to pat ourselves on the back. We're not here to uh, put on on a show or a production or anything, God, but we're here to simply create time and space for your presence to come and do what only you can do. So Holy Spirit, we depend on you. We need your anointing so that you would be revealed, that you would be glorified, and that you may have your way. So God, we wait on you. We look to you. We ask that you would come. So open up our ears and our hearts to you in this time. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anyone here ever been to Disney World before? Anyone here been to Disney World before, right? I'm jealous of all the hands that went up. I think for me growing up, one of the things I wanted to do most was to go to Disney World. I remember one time I watched a show called Full House. Some of the younger kids here don't know what that is. It's like, oh, that's what my house was like at Thanksgiving, Full House, right? But I remember watching Full House, and they went, and they went to Disney World, and I was a kid, and I was like, man, I want to go to Disney World so badly. So hopefully, before I turn 40, I'll have the privilege of going to Disney World. Uh, But until then, recently, I heard the story of when Disney World first opened, and uh, I want to share that with you tonight, where... Disney World opened in 1971, and Walt Disney, the founder uh, and the creator of Mickey Mouse and the whole company, uh, he actually passed away in 1966. So he was in the development of, of buying the land in the swamps of Florida and creating Disney World and all this, but he died in 1966. 
But Disney World opened in 1971. So the first day Disney World opened, they gathered together, they celebrated. And one of the people there turned to Roy, who was Walt's brother, and said, man, if only Walt could have seen this right now. If only Walt was alive to see Disney World open. And this is what Roy, his brother, said. The only reason why Disney World is here right now is because Walt did see it. He saw Disney World before any of us, and the only reason why it's here, we're able to enjoy it, is because he saw Disney World before any of us. Now, I want you to know that's what it looks like to have vision. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's vision. Right? Walt Disney was a visionary. He was a man with the vision because he saw something before anyone else could. He dreamt, he imagined, he had a vision for what could be. And even though he had died a few years earlier, they were able to see the vision come to, come to pass. And now a grown man like myself wants to go. But, but that's what vision is. Sight is something you see with your eyes wide open. But vision is something you see with your heart wide open. Vision is something you can see even with your eyes closed because it's your mind and your heart awakened to something bigger than yourself. Now, there's some people who only dream when they're fast asleep, and there are those who have a vision that keeps them up at night. I mean, what is vision? It's it's something, that longing of, that yearning, that desiring of what can be, of, of, man, what if this were to happen? And and that's what vision is. It it possesses someone. It it makes someone willing to pay the price. Right? I've heard it said this way, where vision gives purpose to pain. Vision gives purpose to pain. It's seeing something that isn't there yet, but you're willing to give all that you have to see it come to pass. I believe many of the problems we have today in society is less just a sin problem, but a vision problem. It has less to do with sin in itself, right? We don't preach that sin isn't real. Okay, just so you know, right? Don't block that or anything like that. We believe that the sinful nature and all. Anyways, much of what plagues society today is less a sin issue and it's more of a vision issue. It's more of a vision issue because we can't see something bigger and greater ahead of us. We settle and sell ourselves short for something in the moment. Right? It's like Esau and Jacob. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before, but there are these twins in the Bible where the older brother named Esau, he sells his birthright for a bowl of soup. Right? It was a vision problem. He couldn't see the bigger picture of what it meant to be the firstborn son. It's a vision problem. We settle because we believe that's what we deserve and we can't see anything better ahead of us. Several years ago, I remember reading this story in Time Magazine about this small fishing town in New England where over 17 uh, teenage girls made a pact to get pregnant. And it caught the community by surprise because there's a small innocent town, nothing ever crazy happens, but they hear about all these young girls making a pact to get pregnant. So they heard about this, they, they interviewed the girls, and some of them were so disappointed because they weren't preg- didn't get pregnant, whereas these other girls were so elated because they were. And, and a lot of them, if you ask them, like, why, why did you do this? Like, why did you make this pact? Like, what's going on? And everything like that. And a lot of them answered, well, I finally have something to look forward to in my life. But I, there's finally someone I get to love unconditionally. So when all this happened, it sparked all these conversations in the school, with the parents, in the community. They talked about, man, did we fail as a school system? Do we need to hand out contraceptives at school or whatever or whatever? 
And, and, and ultimately, though, they asked one of the classmates, of like, man, why did your friends do this? And this is what she said. It's because simply no one gave them a better option. Now, when I read that, it broke my heart because whatever they're doing and settling out uh, short for was less a sin issue but a vision issue. No one told them, man, you don't have to do this to have value in your life. You don't have to do this to find meaning in your life. There's something better. There's an alternative to what this world has to offer. It's a vision issue. It broke my heart because it's, they, no one told them your life meant more than just making it through high school. Now in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says this, where there is no vision, people perish. Right? The Bible says it clearly, where there is no vision, people perish, but blessed is the one who keeps the law. Right? When there is no vision, people perish, they settle, they fall short, but when there's vision, people are willing to, to suck it up, to pay the price, to even keep the law because they understand something greater is ahead waiting for them. Now, I believe that's the vision that as a ministry, as a team, uh, and, and we're not alone in, in believing and wanting to see this, is we want to see revival take place in this region. Amen? We want to see revival take place in this region. Just like Danny shared in prayer where, where people are sparked to live a courageous life. They're not afraid to hold back. They're not afraid of rejection. They're not afraid to go to the darkest and hardest places because you know what? If we're light, we're not meant to be intimidated by the darkness. Amen? But there's people who, who get a hold of that. They catch a vision of what can be. Now, a lot of times when we see the reality of what is, it can make us come up with excuses of why revival won't come. Man, people in Bergen County, they're too comfortable. Man, people in this region, they have it all made. People in this region, they're too busy hustling. Man, they're, they're trying to make a living. They're trying to, you know, make it on Wall Street. They're trying to make it, you know, whatever. We could come up with all these reasons and excuses based on what is, or we can look at what is be the catalyst to make us dream for what can be, what needs to be, what must be. And that's what we're after. We want to see revival take place because I believe that's the solution that we need. That's the solution where, that we need where people get a hold of God like never before. They have an encounter that changes their life where the aim of Christianity is no longer about being a good Christian, going to church, giving a tithe. And man, if you're really serious, then you'll be an usher, right? If you're really, really serious, you'll be a deacon. But in the Korean church, everyone's a deacon for some reason, right? But then if you're really, really, really serious, you might be an elder. And that's what we made Christianity to be. Just be well-behaved, be a nice person, have a nice family, give some money to the church. But can it be that there's something more to this faith than just going through the motions of what we know? And I believe that's revival, is that God gets a hold of us, and we can't be the same any longer. I mean, can we dream together for a moment of what it will look like if revival hit this region like never before? Having high schools, middle schools, college campuses will be turned upside down because people got a hold of Jesus Christ. Where God had, had, uh, had taken a hold of somebody like never before, and they can't go on living in the same way any longer. I mean, businesses, homes being uh, restored, reconciliation taking uh, place, churches being hands and feet in a community, all of these things, it's what happens when revival takes place. It transforms a generation and things are no longer the same. I mean, what would normally take the church to do in 20 years, God does it in a matter of months during revival. That's what we're after. We want to see a genuine move of God. 
right? My throat got dry just now, too. I don't, is this is the air. I don't know what it is, right? Because we want to see a genuine move of God. I want to read to you guys something interesting found in Isaiah chapter 1, from verse 10 to 18. But it says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instructions of our God, you people of Gomorrah. He says, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Now this passage, it's intense. It's crazy. But one of the things that really jumps out to me in this passage is, is this is what God says. Basically, the God who neither slumbers nor sleeps, the one who is the Almighty, the one who's never tired, says he's tired. Let me get that for a moment. The God who said, who never tires, is tired of religion. The God who is never burdened. I mean, the God who carries our burdens himself says he himself is burdened by religion, by motion, uh, uh, going through the motions of, of all these meaningless rituals and rites and all these different things. And, and, and I'm sharing that because I believe it's time for us to graduate beyond what's expected of us on a religion level and go after God like never before until we see revival. Too many Christians have a belief system while not having a lifestyle. Too many Christians have a belief system, but not a lifestyle that looks like Christ. We need a kingdom vision that's bigger than just behaving and maintaining the status quo of religion, of being a, a, a nice person. And I've shared, I feel like I share this at every pursuit gathering I speak at. But did you know that nice isn't one of the spiritual fruits? Right? Nice isn't one of the spiritual fruits, but I feel like we've made that the goal of being, I'm just trying to be nice, because hopefully through my niceness, I, I could witness Christ, you know? But, but we've settled into something so meek and, and um, you know, something so weak, not meek, right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I, I know the Bible, what's up, right? <laughs> but we made our, our, our faith so weak and so tame, where we're, I think many of us, we've been neutered in the spirit, because we're not doing anything with what God has put on the inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus, we have the Father, and we're not wanting to go through the motions of religion because God says, I'm tired of that. He says, go after true kingdom living, take care of the oppressed, take care of the widows, take care of the fatherless, the orphans, make my kingdom real and tangible, and when you really do that, it costs you something. It costs you something. 
That's what we want to see as a ministry. That's what many of you want to see. That's why you're here. No one forced you to come. No one paid you off to come. Uh, if, if you were paid, tell me who it was. I could thank them, you know. But all of us are here because we're after something more than just Sunday routine. Right? Just going through the motions. We want to see the kingdom of God be real. We need a kingdom vision. We need a bigger vision. We need a vision that fits the king of kings. Amen. Amen. So back to that proverb, where there is no vision, people perish. But it says, blessed is he who keeps the law. Blessed is he who keeps the law. Oftentimes what makes people endure to keep the law, stay in line, stay in check, is because of vision. Because of vision. Let's say after this meeting, you know, um, Josh, he just did an amazing job welcoming me. He said I was a guest speaker, and I was like, wow, I am the guest speaker. I felt so blessed, so honored by how he introduced me. I said, Josh, once this meeting is over, don't tell anybody, but I'm going to take you to Korean barbecue. Right? Don't tell the worship team. Don't tell Kevin. Don't tell Danny. Just you and me. I got you. I'm going to take you to Korean barbecue. But it's after everything is done, after everything is cleaned up, then we'll go. It might be late, but I got you. I got you, Korean barbecue. So I'm preaching like five hours tonight because the Holy Spirit is here. Amen. But no one said amen. And, and, and ministry time, it's flowing. People are on, the, on their knees. You know, we're going to another set of worship. It's going long. And, and, and we hear a rumbling, not from heaven, but from Josh's stomach, you know. And he goes over to the kitchen to get water. And he sees the pizza we had for dinner and starts speaking to him. He said, Josh, I know you want me. Right? The pizza starts calling. I, I know you want me. Just, just take a bite. How many of you know Josh can say no to that cold pizza in the moment because he has a vision of Korean barbecue on the grill? Amen. I want you to know that, that it's a vision that makes us stay in line. Now, I don't know if you watch sports, but oftentimes when if a team is getting beat so badly, take out, they take out all their best players. They, they take off their you know, sneakers and they just sit on the bench because they're like, man, why bother playing if we're already going to lose? Like, why risk injury when we're already going to lose? And they all of a sudden start easing up, slow, uh, you know, slacking off, taking shortcuts. I mean, that's usually what happens when we don't have vision and we feel like it's inevitable that we're not going to make it. I want you to know what helps you press through those moments of wanting to quit, wanting to give up, wanting to settle, wanting to take that shortcut is having a vision of something bigger ahead. Amen? Now, in sports and in the natural, it makes sense sometimes to call it quits. But in the, in the, in the supernatural, in the spiritual, our, 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 our faith isn't built on sight. It's based on the word of God. Amen? And God's word is that we will surely have revival in this generation. We surely will have revival in this region. Amen? So we're not allowing any of these things to hold us back, but instead we're keeping the law. People perish without vision, but blessed is the one who keeps the law, who stays in life, who endures, who keeps walking the straight and narrow because they have a vision. They have a vision. Like I said earlier, vision gives purpose to pain. It's no longer about, yeah, don't bother. It's not going to happen, but let's endure together. Let's endure together because revival is going to come. God is going to move. God is going to move. We need vision to help us through. 
Now, I heard this about fighter pilots where oftentimes for a fighter pilot, uh, you know, they'll, they'll go through battles and, and flights and all these different things where visibility is low. They'll have air pressure, G-force, all these crazy things. You know, the only time I'm ever going to experience something like that is on that roller coaster and that's it, you know. But these air pilots, they face tremendous conditions that, that disorient them and everything like that. And oftentimes they'll, they'll feel like they're flying upside down. And in those moments, do you know what they do? They, they look on the instruments on their dash to help them know that, you know, you feel like you're, you're flying upside down. You feel like you're so disoriented. But trust the instruments. And when they do, that keeps them from nose diving into the ground. Are you with me? I think oftentimes when we're trying to do what God wants us to do, we're fighting the good fight. We're running the race of faith. We're doing all these things. We could depend on our feelings in those moments so easily, but God is wanting us to not look at the things around us, how we feel, but those instruments, those instruments for us as believers are the word of God, amen? It's his Holy Spirit and it's other believers so that we are not giving up, we're not letting our feelings, our circumstances of what we just faced or are facing to dictate our level of pursuit, but we're going to his word, we're going to his presence, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us, and we have one another to keep running after his presence. Because the truth is we've all sown and believed and contended and prayed and have been discouraged by the results. All right, anyone honest enough tonight to say that? Like, man, I believed, I contended, I sowed seeds, I, I, I served, I did this, I did that, and I was disappointed on the other side. You know, I, I was hoping for this and it didn't happen. And I was so discouraged. And that's why even tonight I feel like really the goal of it is that together as the body of Christ we would leave this place so encouraged that the, to be, have that second wind to keep running, amen? And we're, we've, we've sown, we've been discouraged, and that's why we need each other. We need his presence, we need his word. We need to go back to his uh, promises. We need to go back to uh, and just be filled with his grace, and, and we all need that encouragement. I, I read this a couple weeks ago, and it really spoke to me so much because it said, it said this, encouragement isn't a reward, it's a catalyst. Right? Encouragement isn't a reward, it's a catalyst. We all need that encouragement to keep fighting the good fight. But we can't wait, you know, we can't afford to wait till the job is done to be encouraged because you know what? We're all facing battles even right now, different circumstances, with school, with work, with family, maybe with friends, whatever, at church. So we all need that encouragement. And I believe tonight God wants to fill you with that next level of encouragement to keep on going, to keep fighting the good fight, to keep running that race. Encouragement is, is what we need together tonight. So Apostle Paul, in the first passage we read together in Galatians, says, says this. He says, do not be deceived. Right? Anyone encouraged by that alone? Like, I'm like uh, all right, I won't be. You know, amen. Right? But he says, do not be deceived. We will surely reap what we sow. Right? Don't be deceived. I, I know you're not seeing the fruit yet. I know you're not seeing the results yet. But he says, don't be deceived by what you're not seeing. Don't be deceived by how long it seems to be taking. Because if you are sowing the right seeds, you will surely get the right fruit. So don't be deceived by what isn't happening, what you're seeing. But know that the thing that you have been sowing, you shall surely reap. And he says this, you will reap it not right away, not next week, but at the proper time. Right? That time is coming. Turn to your neighbor and say, your time is coming. Turn to the person behind you and say, don't give up. Like, don't be deceived. You will surely reap what you have been sowing. 
at the proper time. At the proper time. So don't grow weary in doing good because at the proper time, you will surely reap a harvest of the things that you've been sown. If I'm honest, the greatest temptations I've faced while, while being a part of this ministry and doing what we've been doing uh, was to quit. That's the greatest temptation and challenge I've faced in doing this ministry, being a part of it, trying to do the things that we've been doing, was the temptation to quit. And I've faced it not once, but if I'm honest, many times as I've been trying to be faithful is I wanted to quit. I remember even when we first started this ministry, you know, almost four or five years, five years ago now, right? Time flies, right? Almost five years ago. And, and we're trying to do it. And I had this great vision. And then I soon found out, man, I, I, I don't have what it takes to do this right now on my own, you know? And, and I was blessed to have people run, run alongside of me. And then, you know, different circumstances happened where uh, one, one of our, our friends, um, you know, he felt called to serve a different ministry and said, hey, God bless you, do that, do what, what you need to do, take care of your finances, whatever. And, the, and then, um, so, all right, it's okay, we'll, we'll make some changes, we'll call an audible, we'll do this. And then, and then Josh felt called to go to Africa for a year. And, and he asked me, you know, this is honest conversation. He says, Pastor Sam, I know we just started this thing. And, and if you really need me to stay, I'll stay. Wow. Right? And Josh is the man. That's how he's getting Korean barbecue. Y'all thought that was an illustration. It's for real, right? And, and, and in that moment, I was tempted to say, you know what, Josh? Don't go. You know, Africa, why do you want to suffer? There's air conditioning. We got Wi-Fi. You know, I remember because when Josh was in Africa, I was trying to explain some of the things that God was speaking to me and doing uh, through me. And just, you know, I was trying to send it and explain it through cow-cow because only cow-cow worked in Africa for some reason. And, and he wasn't getting what I was trying to say. But, but anyways, and so he was called to say, hey, and in that moment, honestly, I, I had a decision to make of what kind of leader I wanted to be, right? Do I want to be tight-fisted with people or do I want to have open hands and say, I bless you to do whatever's on your heart to do, right? So Josh, you could go to Africa and soon thereafter, our, our lovely married couple, Ezra, Ezra and Janet, go follow them on Instagram. They felt called to go to Korea and I was like, God, you are a good God, and, uh, and and I remember having this conversation with Jay too, he said, Sam, if you really need me to stay, I, I, I'll, I'll consider staying, right? Chan's about to get Korean barbecue too tonight, right? And in that moment, I just said, hey, I bless you to go to do whatever you want to do, and in that moment, I, I had like three conversations with Kevin, I didn't even know Danny existed, and, and, and in that moment, if I'm honest, I was tempted to quit, because it's like, how am I going to do this by myself? How am I supposed to do this by myself? Then I had a fourth and fifth conversation with Kevin. And, uh, and then, so we try to believe to do this thing together called Pursuit Summer Thursdays. So we try to gather people every Thursday during the summer. And, and the only person that came was Kevin, right? So we would have some times where we planned to do some treasure hunting, some evangelism. And what ended up happening is we just went to dinner and evangelized to each other, you know? And uh, I'm like, Kevin, you should really believe Christ. And he said, Peace, Sam, you need to believe Christ. I said, Kevin, I will. I will believe Christ, you know? And we would do that literally every Thursday for an entire summer. And some, some Thursdays, Kevin was busy, so it was just me. I'm like, yes, Lord, we shall see revival. And in that moment, I wanted to quit. So, so soon thereafter, you know, God was merciful, and he brought Josh back. He brought uh, Jay and Janet back. 
he brought Danny back. Like, All right, let's time to go. Let's do this. Let's do this gathering. There's a promise. I got a prophetic word that there's a gathering anointing on my life. Let's do this now. Revival's really about to happen, right? The, 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 the Avengers have assembled. Let's go. And, and, then, and then we would do these gatherings, and then seven people would come, including the team, you know? I'm like, oh, it must be a holiday in the middle of like, you know, uh, a month that doesn't have a holiday. You know, I can't think of one right now. And, and, and I remember those moments of like, man, why are we trying to do these gatherings and these things and do this amazing thing? And yet no one is coming. And I remember going to the Lord and saying, God, are you sure I have a gathering anointing? Because this doesn't look like an anointing or a gathering at all right now. I mean, I, I've been tempted to quit so many times, even last year. You know, uh, I, was, uh, I had this offer for a position to be uh, a senior leader of a ministry that had full-time salary, health benefits, even a housing allowance. And I was like, man, maybe this is the provision of the Lord. And it came with one condition, and it was that I would stop doing pursuit. Right? They didn't want me to lead two different ministries. They wanted me to just focus on this one ministry. And, and, and if I'm honest, like, doing pursuit isn't the most comfortable thing because I don't really know what we're doing. Right? Uh, people think I know, but I, re- I literally tell them, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to be faithful to God, trying to follow the Holy Spirit, trying to live the Bible. And, and, and a part of me wants something more stable, if I'm honest. Like, I, I, I would like a, a full-time salary doing ministry and health benefits. And in that moment, I was really challenged. And I had to say no to a full-time salary so I could say yes to debt and pursuit, you know? <laughs> I had to say no to health benefits and accept the health risk with pursuit, you know? And, and, and in those moments, every single time, the greatest temptation I faced was to quit. I, I faced discouragement. I wanted to quit. Man, things aren't working out. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I want something more stable. I want something more safe. I want something that makes more sense, something that I could, you know, explain to my family even of what I'm trying to do and what we're doing, what we're believing for. I want something more stable for our team and all these different things. But yet, at the end of the day, as much as I wanted to quit, if I'm honest, God wouldn't let me. God wouldn't let me. And it wasn't like some great you know, like God's like, Sam, you can't forego this amazing calling on your life. It was more like his mercy that prevented me from quitting, if I'm honest. It was his mercy. It was his mercy. And I think many of us, we face discouragement. I believe this even right now. There are many of you here where you've wanted to quit even faith itself. And you might even be wondering, why am I even sitting here right now? Faith is so hard. I want you to know it's the mercy of God that's preventing you from quitting. It's his grace that sustains you. But each time I wanted to quit, each time discouragement crept up, the Lord wouldn't let me quit. And I couldn't let myself quit either because there was a vision that needed to come to pass, amen? There was a vision for something bigger that even, you know what? Here's the thing about vision. Vision is even if I don't get to see it myself, the people behind me must see it. There's something that that still needs to be seen. There's something that still needs to be done. There's a revival that we haven't seen yet in this region where I can't quit. We need to keep pressing forward. We need to keep going. We only press on when you have the resolve to not quit. To not quit. I want you to know perseverance and steadfastness are only born when the pain of quitting becomes greater than the pain of enduring. Because you know what? We'll all be tempted to quit. 
We'll all be tempted to throw in the towel. But, but you got to realize this. The pain of quitting is greater than the pain of enduring. Or the things that we're believing for and contending for, we're waiting on God to do, but it hasn't happened yet. Waiting on God is hard. Amen? Right? Waiting on God is hard, but the only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing you had. The only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing you had. And there's something where the pain of enduring isn't as painful as quitting. And we got to, that's when perseverance and steadfastness is born. I know many of us here in this room, we faced great challenges. We've dreamt big dreams. We've taken on great endeavors. And I want to encourage you not to quit. To not quit. Don't you dare quit. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. And you know what? You will fail. But here's the thing. Failure isn't an event. It's a step in a process. Failure isn't an event. It's not an identity marker. It's simply a step in the process of fulfilling the calling and dream and the vision that God has placed in your life. The only real failure then is never trying. It's never trying. We all need that faith to try. The faith to try again. The faith to go after it once again. I want to share this story. It's like a really weird story. Like I only remembered it because I... I told Danny it like last week, and it was just, it was actually one of the stories I tried to cack out to Josh, and, and he wasn't getting what I was trying to say. I was like, you know what? God bless cacao, you know, and I put it down. But a couple years ago, I, I went to uh, uh, my favorite bagel place, and I was there in line, and, and there happened to be a girl standing in front of me, right? And, and I don't know how I knew, but I just knew it was a Korean girl, right? I didn't know what she looked like. I don't know, you know her age or anything like that. But all of a sudden, I had this thought of, I need to ask this girl out on a date, right? <laughs> right, this is a true story. And when I had that thought, I was like, whoa, this is the heck, this is, is this a spirit, right? Because I, I, believe it or not, I'm a really shy person, you know? I was in North Carolina uh, speaking at this youth event, and, and I was like, yo, I'm pretty shy. And they said, Pastor Sam, you're not shy, you're awkward. So I was like, you know what, I'm out, I'm leaving. You know, my flight, no, I'm just kidding. But, but honestly, that's kind of like how I am. I guess I'm awkward, I'm shy. I don't like doing these things, but I had this random thought of like, I need to ask this girl out. But here's the thing, it wasn't just my thought. I felt like it was what God was telling me to do, you know? I felt like God was the one wanting me to ask this girl out. I'm like, God, is this an answer to prayer? Or, or is this a temptation? What is this, Lord? Right? So if you've ever been in that place of like, you're not sure if this is God or not, you know, you have tests, right? If I'm honest, I did, I, I pulled a Gideon and uh, this girl ordered and, and I was like, I'm really wrestling. Should I do this? Is this, God, are you speaking to me? And I felt like it was God. I said, God, if this is really you, this girl just left. But I said, God, if this is really you and you want me to do this, then she'll walk back in. Right? And as soon as I had said that prayer, I believe in 10-second prayers, amen? As soon as I prayed that 10-second prayer, this girl walks back in and, and asks for ketchup. I was like, no, no, this, that, no, that's a fluke. That's a coincidence. Like, uh, you know, I, no, this is, I got to do, I got to test it one more time. So she grabbed it quickly before I, you know, I could ask her. And she left. And I was like, you know what, God, if this is really you, then she'll be, for some reason, she'll be waiting outside after I get my baby. God, if this is really you, 
I'll do it if she's still outside waiting for some reason. Like my, my bagel, my, my, my breakfast sandwich is taking a long time, but if she's still waiting, then I'll really know it's you, right? So I get my bagel, and as I'm leaving, that girl's still there, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, all right, I guess I really got to do it. But this is what she was doing. She was in her car for some reason eating her, bre- uh, uh, her breakfast sandwich. Like who does that, right? Like who gets their breakfast sandwich and like literally eats it in the parking lot? sitting in the driver's seat. I was like, I guess this is God, right? So, <laughs> so I'm like nervous, I'm scared. I'm like, this is so weird. Like, am I a heretic? What is this? And um, I walk towards her car, because you know, I'm trying to be a man of faith. I walk towards her car, she's eating her bagel, you know, like, like, like a cute like Asian girl, like, you know, like whatever. And as soon as I walk towards her car, she looks up and, and our eyes meet. But then she's so scared that, that this guy randomly in the morning is coming to her car while she's just innocently trying to heat her sandwich. So as soon as her eye meets it, she has this look of terror. I like walk all the way around the car, back to my car, and I sit in it. And I'm just like, is this really from the Lord? Like, what is this? You know, I'm like really trying to process it because like I'm not trying to get mace or pepper sprayed or get the cops called on me. And, and, and honestly, this is the conversation I had. It's like the dumbest story ever, but God spoke to me through it. And I sat in my car and I was like, God, is this really you? Because I tested it. I, I pulled the Gideon twice and she came back in and she was still even waiting. And like, what was that? And this is what God said to me. He spoke to me. He fathers you in every moment. I want you to know that. He said this to me. He said, Sam, I did this for you because I wanted to know, I wanted you to know what kind of man you are. Is that if you feel like it's me, you're willing to look like a fool and step out in faith, even if it's not successful. So I was like, God, I'll ask out whoever you want me to ask out. Amen, right? <laughs> but in those moments, like I said, I, I say that because the only true failure is never trying. Even if it's the wackest thing, the dumbest thing, the silliest thing, if you feel like it's the Lord, why not take a risk? Because the only real failure is never trying. If he has told you to do something, I believe many of you have a conviction, a vision, a passion, a dream from the Lord where he's called you to do something. If he's told you to do something, then don't quit. Keep going because it's going to take faith. I believe there's three types of faith in, in seeing a vision fulfilled. The first kind of faith is the faith to start. The faith to start. The second is the faith to endure. And third, I believe, is the faith that sees promises come to pass. For many of us, the greatest and toughest time we have is that middle part of having faith to endure. I think, if I'm honest, oftentimes growth and even bearing fruit is natural. You know, like growth is natural, bearing fruit is natural, but fruitfulness is always intentional. Growing fruit is natural. It'll just happen, like, unintentionally. But if you want fruitfulness... If you want harvest and not just growth, it's going to require intentionality and hard work. And all of that is done in the middle of having faith to endure. Sowing is oftentimes super difficult. Do you know why? Because sowing is the training you need in order to reap. In order to reap. I mean, oftentimes we think of harvest as, oh man, that's the time when I kick my feet up. I see the promises of God coming to pass. There's so much fruit. There, there's so much growth. There's the multiplication happening. And we think harvest is the time where we get to rest. No, harvest is when you work harder than ever before. Amen? That's why sowing is so hard. It's because it's actually training and strengthening us for the greater work of bringing in the harvest. 
right? I'm not a farmer, but I know this. Apples don't pick themselves, you know? Right? Wheat don't pick themselves. I don't even know if you pick wheat, but go with me, you know? Harvest isn't happening by itself. That's when the real work is needed. So sowing is difficult. So Paul says, keep sowing. Don't be deceived. You will reap a harvest. You're preparing yourselves for a harvest. Even in the second text, which is the main text for tonight from Hosea, it says sow. Right? Keep sowing. Keep sowing. Right? That's what the text in Hosea says. Sow. Keep sowing. But the question then is, who even is Hosea? Right, who is Hosea? Who is Hosea then? The, the, the fact that most people know about Hosea is that he married a prostitute. But it's like, why did he even do that? But Hosea is a prophet of the Lord. Uh, he's from the north of Israel. And he was mightily used by God. He was the mouthpiece of God uh, in, uh, right before the fall of Israel. And he was actually a member of the royal elite. He was a minister and a servant in the royal house uh, and, and, and he was chosen and used by God to, to proclaim the word of God. And his messages, uh, his words stressed justice and righteousness because his main emphasis was covenant. Right? was covenant. And that's why he married Gomer, was to show the covenant that God had. That even though the people of Israel have been unfaithful, even though we've pursued idols and other lovers and, and have put our faith in other things, God was a God of covenant and was even willing to pursue after us even when we're unfaithful. So he preached justice, he preached righteousness because his main emphasis was covenant. And here's the thing where, where I believe it, it brings us back to uh, even today. And even in Isaiah, God is tired of religion. He wants to see you know, justice. The widows being taken care of, the orphans being taken care of. And I think justice is a big word in today's society, in this generation. People are about social justice and all these different things. But I believe if we are to truly see justice take place, we need to go back to the Bible to really find out what it means. Amen? Right? If we want to see what justice looks like, what it is, we have to go to the Bible. And if you look in the Bible, the ideology and understanding of justice in the Bible versus how we view justice today is actually completely different. The way the Bible views justice, it views it as wholeness. It's pursuing after wholeness. And justice is something that was granted by God and not something we figured out on our own. It's not something we did out of our own strength. But it's, it's something that God grants uh, himself. So today we hear about social justice. But the way the Bible describes justice, it's not a social issue, but it's actually a religious issue. In other words, it's a spiritual issue. It had nothing to do with uh, uh, social injustice, but it's something that God alone could grant. And true justice comes and is, is experienced in the context of a worship experience. So that's why even we do these gatherings. This is we're believing and contending for true justice, a justice that comes from heaven to be established in our land. I'm, I'm not against social justice at all, but for after true justice, we need to go to the word of God and allow him to establish it in the context of worship. So therefore, because it's not a social thing, it's a spiritual thing, justice is a call to repentance. And once we repent and allow God to establish justice, the fruit of it is righteousness. It's righteousness. Righteousness is simply this right living with one another. Right? That's what we need to see in our land today, amen, is right living amongst one another. Because if we are living right, righteously with one another, then, then there is no need for justice. 
Because we're living in it, it right there, right now. So when righteousness is established, then extravagant giving, for example, uh, uh, even being open-handed with resources is simply a fruit of righteousness being established once God, uh, when God brings justice to a land. So I want you to uh, frame that to even what we're after revival because I believe a lot of the injustices we see today, like I don't know anything how to like strategize and make it happen, but I really believe the answer to a lot of these problems is, is in revival, amen? It's people's hearts being rightly connected to God, understanding their identity, loving their neighbor as themselves, seeing people through the lens of the Father's eyes where you just live out just as naturally as you are a child of God. So that's the whole theme and the message that Hosea, the prophet, carries. And even in the passage we read together, that's kind of the underlying theme of going back to covenant, uh, plowing and, and sowing and all these different things. So the first step in that passage is to keep sowing, right, to keep sowing. And then he goes on to say, then you will reap righteousness, right? So unfailing, uh, so righteousness and you'll reap unfailing love. It's covenant. It's believing in God, going back to his word saying, God, this is what you said. This is what you promised. You said that you'll heal our land. You said that you'll bring justice. You said that you'll restore. All these different things we're sowing, we're, we're reaping. And, and another, and it goes on to say, break up your unplowed and hardened ground. Break up your plowed, uh, uh, unplowed and hardened ground. Other translations call it fallow ground. In other words, it's ground that has once produced fruit before, but for whatever reason, it's not producing fruit right now. There's a hardness there that needs to be broken through. So whatever hardness that's in your heart, whether it's unforgiveness, bitterness, compromise, whatever it is, do whatever you need to do to break up that ground so that we can see fruitfulness take place once again. And he goes on to say, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say that. It's time to seek the Lord. I sow righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes. And I believe that's the whole key word, is until. We're sowing, we're reaping, we're breaking up the ground. We're contending for revival. We're believing, we're enduring, we're persevering, we're pressing on, we're fighting the good fight, we're running the, the, the race of faith until he comes. We're pressing on until he moves until there's breakthrough, until we see the promise come to pass. It's all about until. It's time to seek the Lord until. Until when? Until the proper time. Back to Galatians. At the proper time, if you don't give up, do not grow weary in doing good because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. So we're going to reap and sow and break the ground and plow and do all this until the proper time. Until the proper time. I'm not quitting until my enemy's defeated. I'm not quitting until I see the sickness be healed. I'm not throwing in the towel on this person or this relationship. I'm not going to quit believing in this person until I see them fulfill their destiny. 
I'm not quitting until I see the promise come to pass. I'm not going to stop pursuing until I see revival with my own eyes. It's understanding that the key word is until. Until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. How long is it going to take? I don't know, but keep on keeping on until. Until. I think too many people in our generation, they won't commit unless they know it'll work. Right, like, uh, is like, or even an event, like, oh, who's gonna be there? Unless they know this person's going, or, or, or this is gonna happen, they're they're not committed. They're not committed unless they know how it's going to turn out. But we need a generation who's committed until it works out. It's going from unless to until. Going from unless to until. Unless this works, I'm out. But we need to change that to I ain't out until this works. From unless to until. I think too many people overestimate what they can do in one year, but underestimate what they can do in 10. Right? Whenever we start something or believe or, or, or begin, I mean, we overestimate what we could do in one year while underestimating what we could do in 10. Right? As pursued, we're about to transition into year number five, right? That's the grace of God. Five is a number of grace. And you know what? We, when I started, like, oh, I overestimate. But you know what? As soon as we start, people are going to be so in. And, and, and I feel like just now, we're, we're kind of getting the hang of what we're doing, but yet not at the same time. Even last month's gathering, you know, God really moved in a powerful way. And, and I had a brother of mine come up to me and he said, Pastor Sam, tonight was so powerful. The way the people were praying and crying out to God and earnestly seeking him. I want to see that in my church. I want to see that in my church. You know, we just started this prayer meeting, but like, it looks nothing like what this looks like at Pursuit. And I simply had to remind him, like, bro, you were there, like, at the first Pursuit. You were there a couple of the Pursuits in the middle up until this point. Like, you know we weren't like this right away. Like, it took time. It took sowing. It took breaking up the hardened ground. It took persevering. It took enduring to even get to this place. But yet, we're not even where we want to be yet. Like, it's going to take time. I believe as a ministry, we're only going to really see the beginning of what God has really for us after 10 years. Hopefully, I'll be married by then, you know? Amen. But, like, it, it takes time. It takes time to build momentum. And I believe that's what it takes of of just pressing on until. It looks like nothing is happening. I mean, many times I felt like we were going backwards, you know. But I'm not quitting until I see revival. Not until I see a a glimmer of revival. Not until I see a, a packed sanctuary of people. I'm pressing on until I see a genuine revival, a move of God that can't be explained outside of God did this himself. It was Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit. So we need to press on until, you know, those who want to see revival based on their convenience 
or preference are the ones we'll never see. Because you know what? If you want to see revival based on your convenience, you won't see revival. And if you do, that's not revival because revival doesn't come at comfort. It comes at a cost. And I'm willing to press on until revival comes. Until revival comes. I'm willing to pay the price until revival comes. Now I need you to get this. There is a cost to revival. There is a price to pay to see revival. It'll cost you your comfort. It'll cost you your convenience. It might cost you friends. It might cost you looking like a fool. It might cost you, you know, months and, and, and years of praying and contending and not seeing anything. It'll cost you. There is a cost to revival, but that cost to see revival is only in the here and now. But the cost of not seeing revival is eternal. The cost of seeing revival is in the here and now. There is a cost. But the cost of not having revival is an eternal cost that souls will have to pay because they never got to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We've got to press on, even when it comes to seeking God, we've got to press on, seek His face until, seek His face until Many have gone just far enough with God to get by, but not beyond the surface to be transformed. It's time to go deep. It's time to seek the Lord. How deep should we go? How long should we seek God? The answer is until. Until we see Him move. Until we see Him transform us. Until we see that breakthrough. God, we need that passion for until. We need that passion to be the ones that say, God, I'm in this until I see, I see you move. Because I'll tell you what, God can do more with 10 passionate followers of Jesus than with a thousand lukewarm believers. God can do more with 10 passionate, sold out disciples than a thousand lukewarm believers because it's people who won't stop until. And I want you to know it's vision. It's vision that fuels the passion for until. For until. I want to finish with the story of a lady named Florence Chadwick. I don't know if you've ever heard of her before. But Florence Chadwick, she was a prolific swimmer. She competed in a bunch of races. But but she's most famous for taking on big challenges and breaking records uh, not in races, but in like one of those Guinness World Book of Record type things, you know? So as a female swimmer, she was a pioneer. She was the first woman to ever swim the English Channel both ways. So if you don't know what that looks like or what that means, it's swimming from the coast of France, swimming over 20 miles to the coast of England. The only way I'm going from France to England is on a plane, you know? But this woman swam both ways, and she was the first to do that. That's Florence Chadwick. So she's a prolific swimmer. She takes on amazing challenges. And in the 1950s, she took on another challenge where she wanted to be the first woman to ever swim from the Catalina Islands, which is off the coast of California, to the coastland of California, which is about a 21-mile swim across the ocean. So it's never been done by a woman before. So in the 1950s, she said, you know what? I've done and conquered other challenges. This is my next challenge. So as she embarked on this challenge, 
It's a 21-mile swim, just to remind you. It had rough conditions, ice-cold water. There were tides and currents. There was even sharks in the water. But the thing that was the toughest obstacle for her was the fog. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to California before, uh, in a San Francisco or whatever. It's just foggy, like 90% of the time. And that was her greatest challenge. It wasn't the ice-cold water. It wasn't the, uh, the, the tides or the waves. It was the fog. So she's trying to accomplish this goal. And as she's swimming, one hour goes by, two hours goes by. Finally, it's 15 hours, and she's about to throw in the towel. She's swimming, but she feels like she's not getting anywhere. She can't see the coast. She can't see anything. So she struggles for about another hour, and finally she throws in the towel. And when she gets in the boat, they later tell her, man, you were only one mile away from the shore. And she said to herself, man, if I could only see the coast, then I know I could have accomplished this. I've done greater things before. Man, I just couldn't see what was in front of me. And I let that forfeit me from this race. So after that, she said, you know what? I definitely can accomplish this challenge, this task. So two months later, she gets back in the water and embarks to become the first woman to swim from the Catalina Islands to the coast of California once again. But this time, the fog is just as bad, but now she knows. She can't see, but she has a vision of what it's going to take for her to get to successfully get to the other side. So even though it's just as foggy as before, she presses on, she presses through, and she reaches the other side. And here's the amazing thing. Her time was the fastest time ever when she did it. She did it in 13 hours and 57 minutes, and she was not only the first woman to do it, but the fastest swimmer to do it in years. She broke the previous record by over two hours. And isn't that the truth? Sometimes as we're embarking and believing and doing what God wants us to do, we could be so close but yet so far. Because we can't see anything ahead of us. We're falling short on vision and we're struggling and all these different things. But I want to encourage you tonight. Let's press on. Let's press through the fog. For some of us, we need to get back in the water. Others of us, we need to have a fresh vision of why we got in the water to begin with. And all of us need to keep pressing on until, until until we need to press through keep sowing keep breaking up the hardy ground keep believing and contending until we see revival I believe tonight God's going to fill many of you with the fresh vision reminding you of why you started to begin with the great task the thing you're believing for at home with your church your ministry whatever it is many of you are going to be filled with that fresh vision once again, reminded of why you started to begin with. Others of us, we need that fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. That second wind of the Holy Spirit. We're coming to the end of 2018. I don't know how we got here so quickly, but we need to be filled so that we could not just finish the race, but break the tape of the year. It might have been hard this year. It might have been difficult. It might have had more challenges than ever before. But it's time to keep pressing on until others of us, we need hope, we need faith, 
We need Jesus. And I want to close by reminding us of what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. To let go of everything that entangles us to sin, but instead to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. The one who was tempted and tried. Who embraced suffering for the joy set before him. Keep our eyes. Fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. But can I say it this way tonight? The author and perfecter of vision. The author and perfecter of revival. He's going to do it. Amen. And it's time that we together are encouraged to keep going. So God, here we are tonight with our eyes closed and our head back. But we want to endure, to press on, to keep on keeping on, to be steadfast, to believe and to contend for revival. But I believe many of my brothers and sisters here tonight, we've taken on and embraced challenges big dreams and for some of us we've been tired we've been weary we've been tempted to give up maybe some of us here we're tempted to give up even right now but Lord I'm believing that you'll fill us with a fresh vision with the spirit the second wind to keep running to keep running the race of faith to keep fighting the good fight of faith. God, we need you tonight. We fix our eyes on you. That we will press on until, until our family is restored. Until we see the breakthrough. Until we see our friend coming back to faith. Until we see you move in our churches. God, we're in this until. Not unless but until if you're here tonight and you need that fresh dose of encouragement from the Lord I want to invite you to just come up to the front and there's people here who want to pray with you who want to stand with you who's fighting the good fight with you if that's you just come up to the front right now there's plenty of space here this is a safe place where, where there's total freedom to say I, I, I need more. I need vision. I need hope. I need strength. Whatever it is you need, God has it for you. More than enough for you tonight. So come. Come freely. Come boldly. God is going to meet us here tonight. Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.